welcome to day 35, right? Day 35 of the Windows and Mirrors podcast. This is Keith Pinkney, one of your co-hosts. I'm by myself today. Uh, my guy John will be back soon, but um, yeah, I'm gonna still hold it down for him. So remember last time, all right, we was in Numbers 16, right? And in number 16, Cora and the people who were with Cora was wilding, right? They was going all against Moses and Aaron and God's uh, leaders. And God came through and was like, you know what? I got y'all, right? Korah and um, those who were with Korah literally were swallowed up into the earth, the Bible says. So we come to number 17, right? Coming off the heels of this judgment, God reassures us of his choosing of the priests and vindicates their role in this covenant relationship. And we see that with this staff, right? So God tells all of the leaders in Israel to bring their staff before the tent of meeting. And Aaron's staff is the only one that sprouts, buds, blossoms, and then produces almonds, right? God performs the miraculous in nature to assert something about himself, not necessarily um, Aaron, right? But about him, Right. And God is saying, no, no, no. This is who I chose. These are the priests that I chose to lead you. Right. God. And, and what the Bible is trying to show us is that sooner or later, God will always vindicate the righteous. Right. God will always vindicate the righteous. Right. And in this case, it's Moses and Aaron. Right. God does this as a sign to the faithful of what he can do for them. And he says this is for the rebellious to see what I do as well. This is the God we serve. He vindicates the righteous. All right. So then you get to numbers uh, 18. Right. And so even though folks are getting rowdy, God is like, oh, let me reassure you of your role, right? Like, let me, let me tell you what kind of authority you have in this relationship in terms of um, the tabernacle and that stuff. So boom, numbers 18 comes. And really what this chapter does is readdresses and expands the roles of, of the Levites as guardians of the tabernacle, right? And the priests, right? So they were um, to preserve the sanctity of the holy place and to prevent um, encroachment from Israelites um, outside of the Levitical line, right? From coming into the tabernacle when they weren't supposed to, as well as rebellious and unclean Israelites as well. And so, um, you know, the priests were to guard the inside and the other Levites, the outside. Now, this is very important. Um, in, in literally in uh, chapter 18, verse four, it says that they are to keep or guard, some translations say keep or guard, um, the uh, tabernacle. And it's the Hebrew verb shamar, right? Shamar. And this same verb is used in um, Genesis 2.15, right? For Adam. And Adam was, his role um, in Eden was to keep and guard, right? The garden, right? And so what this is trying to say, and I'm like, no, no, no. God has, from the beginning, wanted to guard sacred space for his worship. And we know, right? We all know that Adam failed, right? Adam failed failed at guarding the temple. Adam was a priestly-like figure, and God is still using the same means here, just with different people, all right? So on the back end of the chapter, God speaks of the way in which they will be rewarded, right? So God, like, always rewards his workers. In one way or another, he rewards the people that serve him, right? And so here he says, yo, all right, y'all gonna be rewarded with the tithe, right? So the other tribes basically would give a tenth of their income to the priests and Levites, 
right? And it was their reward and compensation uh, for doing their duty at the tabernacle. And it was their lot because they would not receive a land inheritance like the other tribes. So doing the work was the reward and God himself would have the other Israelites pay the tithe. This is, yeah, the genesis of the idea of a tithe. And that's a whole nother conversation talking about the top. And then from there, and then Numbers 19, we have, you know, the duties and responsibilities um, that the priests, you know, uh, were not just to, you know, guard the tabernacle and that kind of stuff, but they were also uh, to remain holy, right? Again, like the same theme of clean and unclean. And in the Bible, clean, again, uh, has this sort of a relationship uh, and uh, similarity with life, right? With with God and life and impurity. And so, uh, yeah, like they were to remain clean. And then it's funny because right after this, right after God says all of these things about holiness, life, purity, you know, vindicating the righteous, we have Numbers 20, right? And in Numbers 20, it's the famous passage with Moses and Aaron, right? And so, boom. Um, the people of God are at the wilderness of Zen. The wilderness of Zen is basically where we saw in Numbers 13, where the spies went to scout out the land. They're getting close, right? They are on the way to the promised land. Now, what we have is the Israelites doing what they do, complaining, right? Complaining and grumbling. And they say, yo, Moses, what what are we doing? We need water. We should have died like the first generation. Now, it's been 40 years, right? 40 years, and the second generation has grown up. Little babies have grown up, and they acting just like their daddies, right? And their moms, right? And um, they've grown up and taken over, but they've shown that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. As John has said before, like suffering for some reason clogs our eyes and stuffs our ears, right? They are about to take the promised land and they are complaining, right? So they complain about water. Moses gets fed up, right? He shows that low key, he are the first generation too, right? So after folks start complaining about water, God tells them, yo, 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 I got you. Just speak to the rock, right? Water's going to come out. Everything will be fine. Now, what does Moses do? Moses disobeys, right? Moses disobeys and hits the right rock. Now, what's crazy is that up until this point, the Bible has spoken of Moses in such a positive light, right, as one who did what the Lord commanded. Over and over and over throughout the first five books of the Bible, you're going to see this phrase, Moses did what the Lord commanded. Moses did what the Lord commanded. But here, it like, it's like it builds up and then turns. Moses does not do what the Lord commands. And I think this is a very good point that the Bible is trying to show us, man, that, um, you know, no matter how great your track record of faithfulness is, it never guards you from failure, right? Your track record of faithfulness does not guard you from failure, right? You could, you could be great, but it, oh man, it's so many, it, it literally takes so long it takes so long to build a track record of faithfulness, but it only takes one bad decision, one second to fail, right? 
that's that's the hard part, man, about being in the wilderness, being where we are, being in this world. It is so easy to fail, right? And th- the bad part is the reason why God is so serious and he's like, oh, no, 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 you ain't entering the land, my G. Like, no, 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 it's over with. You and Aaron are not entering the land. The reason he's like this is because the rock was a symbol of God's mercy and benevolence and he violated that relationship. Now, you fast forward to the New Testament, the apostle Paul is going to say, yo, the Israelites, yo, 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 no, no, no. He says, yo, the Israelites drink, all drank from the rock and drank the same spiritual drink, and that was Christ, right? So, so, so in other words, Moses is not just doing something wrong. He's doing something wrong before God, right? And God is like, nah, y'all not entering the promised land. Now, I think it would be good to step back here and you know, lift our head up and get um, some air, right? So we have to remember that the Bible is about Jesus, right? Over and over and over, the leaders of Israel fail, and you will see it throughout the rest of Scripture. The leaders will fail. We have Adam, first man ever created, let Satan in the garden, doesn't guard the temple like he's supposed to, fails, right? You go to Noah, gets drunk, fails, right? Um, you go to uh, Abraham, right? And trying to sell his wife, just doing all kind of crazy stuff, right? You go to uh, Jacob with the baby mama drunk, right? It's just over and over and over and over. Uh, Jacob's sons, they sell, his, they sell a brother into slavery, like just over and over. Nobody does it perfectly. Moses can't, gets the people out of Egypt, doesn't get them to the land, right? And yeah, like the Bible is building up. It is building towards a climax for a perfect person, a perfect leader of Israel. And his name is Jesus, right? And so I want you guys to think about this for a second. The Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God was providing for them daily. Jesus right? The Bible says the spirit led him into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days, right? While receiving temptation from Satan, no complaints, right? Israelites was known for complaining. Jesus, no complaints, uh, uh, obeyed and listened to God, his father, right? Um, did that perfect. He is the true Israel. He is a, so much better than Israel could ever be collectively in one person. Now, Moses, Moses too. Now, the Bible will say that Moses is faithful. Go read Hebrews. It will say that Moses is faithful. But again, like we said before, faithfulness doesn't guard you from failures. Now, Jesus in the wilderness hears the sweet whispers of Satan as lived faithful his whole life. Here's the sweet, sweet whispers of Satan and he succeeds. Why? Because the Bible is trying to say, no, 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 we don't need someone Faithful? We don't need just someone faithful. We need someone perfect, right? And as great as Moses was, we needed somebody better. We don't need someone who can get us almost to the promised land. We need someone who can give us our inheritance, right? That is Jesus. He fully obeys and leads God's people into final and end time heavenly blessings. He doesn't get our foot to the cusp of the promised land and then fails to deliver. No, he picks us up in his own righteousness, right? At the expense of himself, dies, gets us to 
back to God, reconciled back with God, justified, made righteous, uh, forgiven all of the blessings he provides for us forever, right? God in Christ shows how good he is, how um, Jesus is better than every other person, leader, priest, uh, uh, you name it, right? Jesus is the best thing ever. He's the he's he's the consummate Israelite, the consummate leader, the leader that Moses never was and that Israel always needed. Y'all be blessed.